Good afternoon. Very good to see everybody this evening. I'd like to talk for a little bit on forgiving our fellow man. We'll get our opening reading from Mark 11, 25 to 26. I'll try to go slow. I, I won't have them up there. We'll just have them where you can follow from, from the book. Mark 11, 25, 26. Jesus said, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. So when he says aught, he's talking about trouble, conflict. He says, when you go to pray, he says, forgive if you have aught against any. And then I insert the question here, why? It says that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. We all need forgiveness. We all want to be right with God. You feel good when you feel like you're in good graces with God. But he will not forgive us unless we're willing to forgive others. To receive grace for our sins, we must be willing to give grace to others. So what does it mean to forgive? It means to pardon, to remit, which means to cancel an offense. Somebody has, has offended you and you cancel that. To cancel a debt, to overlook an offense, and treat the offender as not guilty. The Lord expects us to forgive one another and not to hold grudges or plan to retaliate. This is easier said than done. It's hard to let someone have the upper hand. And all of us can come up with a scenario where something is unfair or some situation which we shouldn't have to accept. But the fact is, the Lord expects us to handle things in a Christian or a Christ-like manner. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, let's turn to Colossians 3, 12 through 14. He gives us a pretty good idea. He says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, and I'm going to say the elect of God would be Christian, God's people. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So let's look at these attributes he's listed here for a minute. He says we need to have mercy. Mercy is benevolence, tenderness, mildness, pity or compassion and clemency. And then the kicker is exercise towards offenders. These are people that's offended us. We need to have this tenderness, mercy, benevolence. Well, what is kindness? Kindness is goodwill, benevolence, that temper or disposition which delights in contributing to the happiness of others, which, exercise, which is exercised cheerfully in gratifying their wishes, supplying their wants, or alleviating their distress. Next, we have humbleness. Humbleness is the state of mind of being humble. Humble. 
It's pretty simple there. Meekness is the softness of temper, mildness, gentleness, forbearance under injuries and provocations. What's provocations? Provocations are deliberate action or speech to anger and annoy. So you have gentleness and forbearance during these times. It's hard to do that. Long-suffering is bearing injuries or provocations for a long time. Patient, not easily provoked. Forbearing is ceasing, pausing, withholding from action, exercising patience and indulgence. We've already discussed forgiveness, so then we'll wind it up with charity. Charity, in, in a general sense, is love, benevolence, goodwill, that disposition of heart which inclines men to think favorably of their fellow man and to do them good. So these are the attributes God wants us to have. With a list like this, it's hard to get anything done when you want to lash out or to retaliate against others. With attributes like this, it's hard to do the devil's work when you're faced with conflict. The devil wants us to react quickly and just say right what comes to mind. He doesn't want us to forbear. He doesn't want us to wait and think about it. He wants to just lash out. But these are the tools that God has given us to work with. Proverbs 20 and 22 says, Say not that I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord and he shall save thee. So this is part of our testing process here on earth. If you notice, God doesn't always work on our time schedule. We would prefer our justice to be swift and certain, and a lot of times we'd prefer it to come from us. We'd get that satisfaction of returning it to Him. Do we have the faith that God will handle our grievances? Do we have that kind of faith that we can turn it over to Him? Let somebody have that last word. Can we leave it in our trouble in God's hands? Romans 12 and 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. It is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Vengeance, God says, Vengeance is that's my business. And he says, I'll take care of that. This is a promise we have from God. God doesn't fail on His promises. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 6 says, Seeing as it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. That's righteousness to God. He's going to deal to them what they deserve. He will do that. Proverbs 28, 25, He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. And that doesn't mean overweight. It means you're going to do well. You're going to have what you need. He's going to take care of you if you put your trust in him. Notice a proud heart is just the opposite of what we talked about, the humbleness and the meekness. Proud heart, a prideful person is not willing to accept offense. And you know, all of this stuff didn't just, doesn't just partake to our families and fellow Christians. It partakes to our enemies also. And, and this is even harder. Matthew 5, 38 to 48. 
You have heard that it's been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Under the old law, that's, that's how it was. You put out somebody's eye, somebody got to put your eye out. You killed somebody, you were killed. But listen, this is Jesus talking here. He says, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil. <clears throat> but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard this been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. <clears throat> but Jesus said, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Listen to the people he's going to talk about here. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. These people hate you. They don't want to see anything good happen to you. He says, be good to these people. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Then here again, I insert the question, why? That we may be the children of our Father which is in heaven. Remember the elect of God he talked about? That's how we, we are the elect of God. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth the rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. This is a hard reading. You know, it's you can see people in the world that or against you and you think, well, I'm against them. But it says we need to love them. We need to pray for them. We need to have patience. Verse 44, Jesus says, love your enemies. Furthermore, Proverbs 24, 17 and 18, it says, rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. And let not thy heart be glad when he stumbleth. Lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. We shouldn't be glad or get satisfaction when our enemy has trouble. And sometimes that's kind of, you know, something that we want to do too. I mean, like they're getting theirs, and we're kind of glad for that. He says we shouldn't be. God doesn't want to see that. If we're getting joy out of that, he's going to stop. Next, how often <coughs> my allergies are going to get me today? How <coughs> changing octaves here? <laughs> Let's try it. No. <coughs> how often <laughs> should we forgive? <coughs> I'm going to use up all the water. All right. How often should we forgive? Luke 17, 3 and 4. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, 
thou shalt forgive him. But hold on, if you notice, he said we get to rebuke him. The rebuke. This is where we get our justice. This is where we let them have it, right? No. Remember the tools that we're working with. What did God tell us to use? He said, remember mercy and kindness, humbleness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing, forgiving, and love. These are what we are working with. These are where our rebuke is going to come from. Galatians 6, 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, <clears throat> considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. How would you want someone to address you? He said the spirit of meekness. If, some, if, you're, if you have crossed somebody or you're in trouble with somebody, do you want them to just come and... <clears throat> let you have it? Or do you want them to come to you in love and talk to you? <clears throat> Matthew 18, 21-35. Well, I wish I could quit get over this. <clears throat> then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. He asked a question there. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. So you can look this up and find out what the talents are. But the one I liked is one talent is 16 years of wages. So he owed ten thousand one talent is 16 years of work. This man owed lifetimes of work to him. Several lifetimes. Verse 25, But for as he had not much had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. And, I'd like, and I put in here, and this was his just reward. But it doesn't end here. Verse 26, the servant fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. His great debt was canceled, a debt that could not be paid. And he should have been rejoicing. You know how you feel when you get a debt paid off? Or Jayden, the other day, she finished some courses, and she said, I just feel like a weight is off of me. She had a little break between classes. She said, just, you feel light, you feel happy. He should have felt happy. But let's see what he did. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. So one pence is a day's wage. He owed a hundred pence. And he laid hold on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And the fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were sorry, 
and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So pretty much all that debt that he had forgiven is back. That weight that was lifted is back. And that's, that's the same thing with us. You know, if we can't forgive, that debt is back with us. It says, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye... Now here, here's our key words to this sentence here. If ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. You know, we can say a lot of things. We can outwardly portray a lot of things. But God knows our heart. He looks at our heart and we can't hide anything from Him. And He knows if we still have trouble with somebody. And so that's why Jesus said, unless you forgive from your heart your brother his trespasses. So basically, if you can't forgive, your salvation is in jeopardy. So going back to the first part of it, 70 times 7 is 490 times. But this isn't some magic number that we can stop forgiving at. This just means that we should be willing to forgive as many times as it takes. We see that the three strikes method does not work with God. Remember, we're working with mercy, long-suffering, and forbearing So again, why should we forgive? Well, number one, God wants us to. Number two, uh, we learned in Mark 11, 25, 26, we must forgive others to be forgiven of God. But the most important reason is that Christ was willing to die on the cross so that we might be forgiven. You know, Jesus didn't tell us this story so we could judge this guy and say, yeah, he was a terrible man. Look what he did. That's not why Jesus told us this story. You see, you and me, we have a place in this story. We're the ones that had the great debt that we couldn't pay. And with baptism, it was canceled. We found a way to have our sins washed away. We are that person. Romans 5, 8, and 9 says, But God commended His love towards us in, while, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Because of what Jesus did for us, we're saved from wrath. You know, our fellow man out in the world or in our family or wherever who offends us, he's the one who owes a hundred pence. I'd like to point out a hundred pence isn't nothing. Remember, one pence is a day's wage. So he owed a little under a third of a year's wages. That's, that's a pretty good debt. That's not nothing to scoff at that this guy owes you. But then think about the lifetimes of debt that was forgiven for you. Jesus, our Savior, was tried 
and was convicted of no crime. Remember, they brought the false accusers in there. They threw everything they could at him. And they found nothing that would stick. And then when he ended up telling the truth, he said, thou sayest. <coughs> That's all they needed. They said, what more do we need? <clears throat> Think about it. Standing in front of a court... <clears throat> Being accused by false accusers, and when they couldn't make that stick, they sent you to death for telling the truth. Think of how this would make you feel. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> Think of how this would make you feel being being accused and convicted falsely when all you have done is good for mankind. After hours of railing, torment, and abuse, he was crucified on the cross where they continued to rail at him. You know, Sean gave a lesson one time <clears throat> about your finest moment. And he used um, Moses and some of them, and he talked about their finest moment. But you know, at this time, I would say the devil thought this was his finest moment. He had Jesus where he wanted him. He threw everything he had at him. The torture, the torment. Dee gave us a wonderful lesson. The giving us more of a visual of what he went through. And in all of that, <clears throat> he said, Father, forgive them. Isaiah 53 and 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. This is our debt. Our debt was, for, was forgiven through his shed blood. Luke 23, 33, 34. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and another on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they departed his raiment and cast lots. <clears throat> Notice Jesus led us by example. He used the same tools in death that we must use in life. Mercy and kindness led him to the cross. Mercy for us, kindness for us led him to the cross. He showed humbleness and meekness when falsely accused. He displayed long-suffering and forbearing when Satan inflicted his wrath. And forgiveness and love and death. After all this, Jesus did not want revenge. He prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And this is the main reason why we should be willing to forgive. Because Jesus, our Savior, paid that great debt that we could not pay. Ephesians 4, 31, 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking 
be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So that's what God wants us to do. Tender-hearted and kind one to another. Why? Because God, for Christ's sake, for what He did for us, has forgiven us. So in closing, let's turn to Romans 12, 14 to 21. I'm sorry I've carried on like this up here, but we're about done. Romans 12, 14 to 21 says, Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be the same mind one towards another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much life in you, Live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, this evening we don't know the minds and the hearts of those present. Is it possible that you've had problem with forgiving your fellow man? Or could, it be, could you be someone who needs forgiveness from God through baptism? Or could you be someone who needs the prayers of the church? If there's one of either class, would you come forward as we stand and sing the invitation song?